Well, here we are on the 401 heading home from Windsor, Farsi. And before we get into introductions and everything that's going around the OHL, I just got to say, when we decided to drive to Windsor ourselves instead of hopping on the Rangers charter bus, I said to you, don't eat a lot today because we're stopping at Antonino's to get some world-famous pizza. I don't know if it's world-famous, but it's some of the best pizza in Ontario. So Antonino's in Windsor. What do you give it? One out of ten, one bite, everyone knows the rules. First of all, it's now internet famous because it's on the pod. And I got to say, like, I'm a firm believer. I had a teacher in high school that said there's no such thing as perfect. I'm going to give it a 9.8 because it's that close to a hard 10. The crust, thin and crispy. The toppings, perfect. The sauce complements the pizza instead of overpowers it. One bite, you know the rules. I don't think you could have put it any better. I, we did the coffee review from Chow Cafe in Windsor on this trip. And uh, I had a friend reach out and say, nobody drives to Windsor for coffee or anything. I responded saying that it is worth the three-hour drive to Windsor for Antonino's. Anybody that wants to go to Windsor, you let me know. I will drive three hours for Antonino's Pizza. By the way, you mentioned we are doing this while on the 401 coming home from Windsor. Quick question for you, Popper, because you're at the wheel. Do you know how to get back to Kitchener? Are you sure you know the way? Yeah, my hands aren't even on the wheel. The car just goes straight. We'll run out of gas before we get there. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. All right, literally from on the road. We always say this podcast is about taking you on the road with us around the Ontario Hockey League. I'm Farwell, he's Pope. He's driving us back from Windsor where we just watched the Kitchener Rangers win their fourth in a row. The Windsor Spitfires lose their third in a row. First three-game skid for the Spits all season. But I got to get something off my chest early right now. We just came from a junior hockey game. We go into junior hockey arenas wearing suits and carrying attache cases. Yes, I called them attache cases. Wow. That's right. Nobody dresses like we do to try to break into a junior hockey game for the love of all things holy Windsor. Why do you not trust anybody? Stop with all the security. I got no problem with it. They're doing their job. We had to wear these little, uh, like the, the... looks like I went to a bar last night. The little wristband things that always pull out my arm hair. Um, I, I got no problem with it. it. It's them just doing their job, keeping security safe. The job is done in every rink. Here's how it works. You go to the media room. You sign in as a member of the media. You get your coffee. You get your game notes. If you're lucky, you get a little bit of something to eat. In some rinks, the eating's better than in other rinks. And you go about getting your work done. You go into Windsor, you sign in before you're anywhere near the actual work area. You get the stupid wristband that nobody ever sees again. Then you get down to the media room because you had to sign in way upstairs. You run into your buddy who is the media relations person for the Windsor Spitfires. He gives you another pass that you need to get into the broadcast booth for the love of all things holy. Yes, I know that's the second time I said that. Stop it, Windsor. It's a junior hockey game. Please just let us do our work. 
But see, the issue is here, where we walk in at the top by the community rinks, which is where you have to sign in, show your pass, and then you get the wristband to wear, and then you have to show your wristband everywhere you go. That is access to the players' room. So fans could try to walk down there in a suit, some crazy fan who wants to get uh, Riley Damiani's autograph, and he could just walk right down because the guy thinks he's a media guy. Other places... We only have to show our card to get into the media room. London's just as bad. I come walking around with a microphone, and they want me to show my media pass. I'm like, I'm carrying a microphone. A microphone. What do you think I'm doing with this? I don't mind it, though. People just doing their job. That's what they're paid for, and uh, I got no problem with it. Nobody even wants to pretend to be media people. Let's just be clear about that. Here's the good thing about going to the WFCU Center in Windsor. And you and I had this chat during the game tonight. Might be the best arena on the circuit. I, I I don't know if it isn't. Like it's it's such a great spot. The three rinks, the media room, and everything down below. It's a huge barn up in Media Row. It just seems so big. Uh, obviously, the three Memorial Cup banners hanging. They have the big uh, wall of seats in behind the Windsor goal, in behind the opposition goal. They have the beautiful bar where fans can sit and have a few pints and watch. It just seems almost like too big for an OHL rink and it just has that overall feeling I was thinking about other other rinks as to what would be not like my favorite place to go but just the best arena and obviously I'm going to say the odd because of the nostalgia factor and the fact that we're there every Friday night and I used to go to games growing up there watching you know Serge Paye and then my my friends play for the team and stuff so that obviously holds a special place in my heart but when it comes up to new barns in this league I don't know if anyone's done it better than Windsor you mentioned Serge Paye I have to do the quick tangent because I remember when he came back uh, as an alumni and wanted to seek out Don Cameron to say hello and it was one of the warmest greetings I had ever seen any ex-player give Don they all always wanted to check in but I was really early on in my time working with Don and when Serge came by it was it was a really neat moment to watch Serge say hi to Don and the, the the affection that was clearly there between the two of them and Don of course had glowing things to say about Serge but I, I grew up knowing Serge <coughs> excuse me um, or not knowing Serge knowing of who he was because I was growing up in Palmerston I, we moved and we moved next door to an elderly couple from uh, Scotland and they had moved to Kitchener and they got Rangers season tickets right away and they got season tickets to the Rangers and right along the goal line two rows up and Jim Martin was his name and he used to take me to Ranger games all the time after his wife Eileen passed away. Eileen actually was the first season ticket holder they ever did a memorial thing for on the big screen because they had been season ticket holders for so long and never missed a game. I remember driving through whiteouts, blizzards with Jim Martin at the age of like 86 at the wheel, super hot in the car, listening to Don on the radio, trying to get in there late because Jim was only going 30. Just We had to go to the game. We weren't missing a Rangers game. And he would just talk my ear off about Serge Paillet the whole time. He was his favorite player and how he came back from this illness and stuff. And uh, so that's the, the name that I just fell in love with, Serge Paillet. I actually got to go down to ice, ice level and do the uh, intermission shoot-a-thing. Like shoot the puck in the net. I swear the ushers know which program it is because we bought a program like we did every time, and then all of a sudden the usher came down and tapped Jim on the shoulder and goes, Jim, check your program. <laughs> sure as heck, it was a game that 
I was there. I went out, didn't even hit the net. It was terrible. I said, give me a goalie stick. <laughs> That's the thing about the Memorial Auditorium. It kind of takes you back into that history. You can talk about having gone there as a kid. Nobody can say that yet about the WFCU in Windsor because, of course, it's one of those newer arenas. And the old Windsor Arena where, just remember, like, wrap your head around this. As a fan, you could walk in behind the visiting player's bench to get to and from your seat. Just think about that. You could walk all the way down a set of stairs so that you could be behind the visiting team's bench. It's wackadoodle when you think about it. But the odd has... and accuse us of bias all you want. I don't think many will disagree. We've talked to a lot of players in this league who say the odd is their favorite visitors building to go to because you feel like you're in a hockey arena. It's got that cathedral-esque feel to it. Heck, it's got a Maple Leaf Gardens feel to it, to be perfectly honest. But I can't help but agree with what you said tonight as we're coming home from Windsor about the WFCU and all the creature comforts. When we walk to our press box up on the suites level we walk through another bar that's up there for the suites and it's like it's like one of the nicest bars you might see in a really high class hotel for example it's a really well put together arena and because of the way the bar is situated and the 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 seats go all the way up the one end like you talked about behind the Windsor net I would give it the nod over the Budweiser Gardens I was going to say John Labatt Center in London. Just as much as I like London as a facility and a great place to work from and the the sort of mini Scotiabank arena like it's been called, I think Windsor might be up there. And you take Windsor and London. I I love Kingston and the odd. And Sault Ste. Marie, I've I've been a pretty big fan of. That might be top five in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, the Sioux is really nice. I like like the Sioux a lot. Kingston's another good one for sure. Um, London's like the worst, hands down for me. Not even close. Number, number 21, maybe, out of 20. Um, Windsor's right up there. I, I think I got Windsor at 1B. Why do you hate London so much? You really want me to get started? The whole, the whole thing. The name. No parking downtown. Freezing cold. Having to show my media pass when I'm carrying a microphone. Um, access to the players. Uh, freezing cold upstairs. Coffee's horrible. Uh, it's the London Knights. It, the organization is the cream of the crop. The food is not great. Um, what a overpriced concessions. Um, everything about it. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you the coffee not being good at all. I always wear my long johns because it is colder than charity. To quote the famous Don Cameron on that, colder than charity in that rink. And on the complete other side of the spectrum, for me. Sudbury is so bad, it's good. And I'm going to miss it when the venerable Sudbury Arena and the portrait of the Queen and the ratty, tattered, stuffed wolf on a wire is all gone when they move to their new arena. I'm with you there. And I just want to point out, the only, I, I love the people of London. They're nice. That's the best part about going there is when I get to talk to the people there. When you walk in, you see Pete James, who's forgot more about hockey than I'll ever know. And obviously their, their media people are great to talk to, Payette included. Um, but I, I love that Sudbury rink. You just walk in there and you, you, like the smell, it, it almost just stinks, but it doesn't because you're just like, this is a hockey rink. I'm here to watch a hockey game. You know, it's like something, it has one of those feels that you walk in, you're like, a lot of people have bled in this arena. And quite frankly, I'm okay with it. I can't help when you mention Payette, think back to just this past weekend. It was hockey day in Rangers Nation. Uh, this was an idea actually that the Rangers 
borrowed, and I'll use the term loosely, after a, a kind of a fact-finding research and duplicate trip into the queue many, many years ago. So feel free to adopt this to your favorite organization. It's a tremendous hit in Kitchener. What they do is bring in minor atom teams, so groups of 10-year-olds that would never really get the chance to play on the big ice, as we call it, at the Memorial Auditorium, and they get treated like OHLers for the day. From the moment they walk into the swag bag, they get names on their stalls in the dressing room, Gatorade, etc., etc., and then they get tickets to a game the next day. And there are seven games throughout the day, and wouldn't you know that one of the games featuring a team from Kitchener had none other than Ryan Payette of the London Free Press. His son was playing, and wouldn't you know, the Kitchener team was wearing green. And to top it all off... Payette's kid takes a penalty. These are 10-year-olds. It's for fun on a Saturday. Payette's kid's in the penalty box. And I couldn't help, I couldn't resist the tweet with the picture saying Payette's kid's in the penalty box. Payette covers the London Knights. Is anybody surprised? At Farwell underscore OHL at underscore Chris Pope on Twitter. And you can find us via email farwellandpope at gmail.com. I like how uh, rain, uh, Hockey Day in Rangers Nation is for the local league kids, right? The, the kids that aren't traveling as much as the rep or the AAA. It's not not pulling in the junior Rangers who are off doing, you know, taking buses to games in certain locations and stuff like that into all these tournaments. It's for the local league kids that are just out there to have fun, looking, and it's something special. There was uh, the story Craig Campbell uh, told on 570 News during one of the Rangers intermissions where uh, he remembers one year, uh, the one kid who was late in the game and obviously it's just for fun and this kid takes just a blatant tripping penalty and he sits down in the box and he's grinning ear to ear and he looked over and he said my name's getting said my name is getting said on the big on the big screen <laughs> he just wanted his name to be heard overheard by all the fans which i think is just perfect it's a great little initiative they like to do uh, we were as we've mentioned just coming back uh, from windsor uh, that was my first time uh, seeing the Windsor Spitfires, I, I thought they were great. You can definitely see why they've had some early success. The forecheck and the speed and the physicality on that club is like it's intense. It's great to watch. Um, but I was a little surprised that they were this good this early. I didn't have them missing the playoffs or anything. Um, but I, I didn't expect them to be this good. Like I'm circling next year for the Spitfires team. You and I spoke with James Boyd on a previous episode going back to last season uh, on this podcast. Boyd, of course, now the general manager in Ottawa, having been in Mississauga, but made the trade with the Windsor Spitfires last season to acquire Mikey DiPietro. And it was a boatload of draft picks and a kid that he knew was not coming to Ottawa by the name of Igor Afanasiev. And... Everybody said at the time that Afanasiev's rights go to Windsor and Warren Reichel knows what he's doing. He's going to make sure the kid signs and he's going to be a spitfire. And James Boyd told us on that podcast that he could easily see Afanasiev scoring 40 goals in his first Ontario Hockey League season. So he knew he was giving up a commodity, but he knew it was one that was not coming to Ottawa. We watched Afanasiev tonight, second time, second viewing this season. But I'll tell you this, I I was more impressed tonight than I was the first time when Windsor was in Kitchener. And what I like even more, Afanasiev had a couple of assists, was the third star in the game. Forget the offensive prowess. This guy plays with an edge to him that I liked an awful lot. 
I, I loved his game, top to bottom. There wasn't a lot I didn't like. Played physical, played hard in his own end. Obviously, the offense is there. Uh, eight goals this season. It's different when you're just coming into the OHL. I played in the USHL last year. Um, Muskegon, I believe. Uh, that transitions there as he begins to get more comfortable. I think those goals will start to get a little higher. He is definitely a player. Uh, Nashville pick. We still want to break down uh, Team Canada's uh, selection camp for the World Juniors. I, I've got something that I need to get off my chest around, and I, I love the passion, don't get me wrong, uh, but around fans and their what seems they're, they're itchy trigger fingers, I'm going to call it, for telling their teams to, to sell off. I've had some interesting calls lately on our post-game show after Rangers games, and I, I, again, I just something I, I, I want to get off my chest, but we're, we're talking about this Windsor team that, as we're just leaving Windsor tonight and making our way back home to Kitchener. Spitz, I still think there's some coming down to earth to happen. They lose their third in a row for the first time this season tonight to the Kitchener Rangers, but definitely one of the surprises early this OHL season. I think the biggest surprise of all is the Guelph Storm. They've got points in 13 of their past 14 hockey games, including a 10-game winning streak as we record this episode of the podcast. And Chris Pope caught up with head coach and general manager of the Storm, George Burnett, last weekend. George, a lot of people coming into this year didn't expect this Guelph Storm team to have this kind of season. What's been going right? <clears throat> well, I don't I don't know that... Uh, um, you know, we really saw this coming either, to be quite honest with you. I think we've seen uh, the emergence of some young players. I, I think, uh, you know, you look at uh, the type of year that Nico Dawes has had for us, a uh, uh, young goaltender. Owen Bennett has played very well. Um, uh, Gogolev is healthy and playing at the top of his game. Hillis is, 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 is returned to full health. Uh, um, I, I really think that... Uh, uh, you know, we had a plan, and I don't know that we're going to waver from that plan. Uh, you know, we that, that we came into the season with. I, I think you look at our conference, and there's, you know, more parity than than I can ever remember. I guess it, it, on December the first, uh, uh, you know, you're a couple of weekends away from, you know, maybe being in the bottom of the conference or being at the top. So, um, I, I, I think you have to keep things in perspective here. It's it's still a small. Uh, it's a third of the season. It's not. Uh, it's not a big uh, sample of games, and uh, um, I know things are going to get uh, interesting here over the next couple of weeks. Teams miss a lot of players. I know we're going to lose. We've lost a couple of kids here with some big injuries, and uh, I know Kitchener's dealt with injuries this year and uh, to their top goalie and to other players as well. It, it's just there's so many things that line up, and and um, we've we've gotten through the last two or three games here, found a way, uh, which was which is great, and I think that's great for development and, and involving our young kids. But but uh, we know that uh, it's it's a long season and we got to keep chipping away and and uh, finding a way to, to steal points whenever we can you mentioned nico Doss. he's been unbelievable this year did you know he had that in him no i, I don't think it would be fair to, to answer yes to that I, I think nico deserves the credit um you know we we, uh, we 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 thought we saw from him in the second half of the season last year and 10 or 11 12 starts and uh, you know a real solid numbers and performance uh, he didn't play but he had the experience of being a part of the championship run uh, I think that was motivating to him I think he recognized that uh, and because we didn't have a lot of discussions this summer uh, you know you know what what the chances are that Poppy was going to be here and be our overage goalie and have young Owen we, we, we made it clear we needed to develop a young goaltender um, but we're uncertain I guess uh, in, in communicating that so we, we wanted to see at camp and and uh, 
Uh, I think with uh, his recommitment, uh, the way he's eating and training, uh, you know, he lost a, a ton of weight this summer. Um, just, it's just that uh, commitment to, to do what was necessary and uh, lay it on the line for a full year. I, I know we really encouraged a lot of people to look at him in the in the latter part of the draft uh, last last summer, and it didn't work out. Uh, I think uh, he had a chance to go to Chicago for uh, for a rookie camp, and that, that got taken away from him the night before camp opened, and uh, just with uh, I guess some paperwork wasn't filed appropriately. So uh, he was a little disappointed with that, but he turned that into a real positive. And, and I, I think his his record, his numbers, and his opportunities, uh, uh, you know, playing in the Canada-Russia game, and uh, have been terrific. And he's handled handled it well. So I give him a, give him a lot of credit. And, and uh, as I said, I'd, um, you know, those around him, I think, have supported him. His parents, uh, but but he deserves the credit. Does your coaching style change between the team you had last year, a much more experienced, older team, and now some new, fresh faces and a younger team? I, I, I think. It's it's adapting and adjusting all the time. Uh, you know the game's changing in so many different ways, and you know it's uh, it's it's speed and possession one day, and it's uh, uh, you know it's, depending on your lineup, it can change and be a little bit more of a chip and chase game. Uh, um, you know it's a lot of special teams right now are are, uh, are huge. With uh, you look at the numbers and and power plays are all way up, and, and you watch the, I watched the highlights from last night's five games, and you're looking at pretty much only power play goals being scored. So. It, it's crazy. I, I, I think we, uh, uh, you know, kids are different. They they continue to change all the time. I, I think the way you deal with them on a day to day basis is, uh, uh, is is very important, and we, we try and uh, improve the way we uh, deal with kids on a daily basis. They've got so many resources for them now with information and social media and and sports psychologists and 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 strength and fitness coaches and specialty coaches and skills coaches and you know so I, I think it's the whole experience that you're trying to make sure you don't have any holes in in that and uh, if that's changing I, it is uh, you know from uh, you know from five six years ago uh, uh, you know you might have had access to a sports psychologist but you didn't have you didn't have the specialty coaches uh, or if it was it was every once in a while and and now uh, you know between skating coach and skills coach and and seminars for kids for sports psychology and and other things uh, uh, you know visualization and how to park a bad shift and and how to how to be a good team all those things uh, there's just so much more available and and we try and it doesn't seem like there's enough time in the days, but uh, they also have a big responsibility. I know they do here in Kitchener as well, really involved in the community. And, and our kids take a lot of pride in that, and it's uh, it's pleasing to see how how they understand it is a part of junior hockey to, to, to give and be in the community and and, uh, and spend the time doing those things. So it's it's a busy time for these kids, and, and I know all of our kids that, that aren't in high school are, are doing something, either post-secondary class or some uh, specialty class here, uh, a self-help class. Uh, uh, so everybody's busy, and uh, I think they enjoy structure. I, I really think they might not tell you that, but I think at the end of the day, they they enjoy the uh, part of it is 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 the structure that the OHL brings to their uh, to their young lives, and and uh, hopefully they get every opportunity to become the best they can be, both on and off the ice. And lastly, just real quick, Jake Grimes was your right hand man for quite some time, and he's off to the queue. What's it been like without him? Well, it, it's it's different. Uh, you know, Kenny's come in, and uh, Chad's now in his second year with us and taking on more responsibility this year. Both guys have done a terrific job. Uh, uh, Ryan Daniels is back with us, but uh, you know, Jaker was uh, deserving of an opportunity to be a head guy many years ago, and, and I know that there was a couple that that came and went, and and uh, it didn't go. Um, you know uh, his way or whatever as far as getting them but uh, you know uh, 
honest as the day is long, hardworking, detailed, um, great family guy, just just uh, a young guy that's still a very young guy as a coach. Uh, um, you hope, and I know things have gone well for him in Cape Breton there. We drafted his young boy Dixon, who's playing in Listowel, playing quite well as a young man. Uh, uh, I, I know that they've got quite a dynamic in their in their family life, but uh, that's that's part of what uh, I think every every coach uh, addresses. And uh, Jake's done a great job. We're happy to see him get an opportunity, and uh, I miss him. Uh, but uh, uh, as I said, change is change is good, and it's probably good. It, it's good for him to have his opportunity to lead the way. George said something in that interview, Mike, that I I want to just concentrate on, where he said they had a plan coming into this season, and he didn't think they were going to deviate from that. To me. That tells me that guys like Fedor Gordiev, Cam Hillis, and Pavel Gogolev will probably, or George, will look to move those three players or guys like them um, and recoup guys for the lineup and some draft picks that they uh, obviously lost out last year um, in obviously winning an OHL championship. But I don't think they move a guy like Nico Dawes. He'll probably get drafted this year, and then I think they'd trade him in the offseason. You keep Dawes for the playoff run, from January on and if he can steal you around he can steal you around you get that playoff experience and then in Dawes's 19 year old season next year that's when I think you turn and flip Dawes for a king's ransom can I just do a quick sidebar about George Burnett sure sure here's a guy that he's got a bit of a reputation he's a little bit gruff uh you've learned the the hard way never be late around George Burnett and a former colleague of mine Greg Brady who used to work in this league covering the Saginaw spirit also got on George's wrong side for being late the one time so Braids could never understand this either from my perspective but George Burnett was one of the first guys in this league when I started whenever I started to really give me the time of day I remember the first interview I had with him and I was I was pretty intimidated I mean it was George freaking Burnett he's one of the you know winningest coaches in the league and been around a while so on and so forth and he's got this reputation was never anything but nice to me and I've always remembered two things one being the 08 Memorial Cup when George Burnett's Belleville Bulls were taking on the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL championship of course with Kitchener hosting both teams would then go on to the Memorial Cup it was a memorable seven game series between the Rangers and Bulls that year but then the Memorial Cup starts and I'm still relatively new at all of this and and the Memorial Cup's being hosted in Kitchener which is my home rink so I I walk into the arena for that first Memorial Cup game like I'm walking in every other day and of course when it's the Memorial Cup and the CHL is involved everything's different and there are partitions and places you can't go and and doors you're not supposed to go through and I went through the wrong door and there's George Burnett with uh then it was Pete Labardius uh, of the Sportsnet crew with Sam Cosentino and I'm in the wrong place I got no business being there and security's about to come up and and usher me aside and Burnett like calls them off and like this guy's and he waves me over so I can be with the Sportsnet guys and I, at this point I'm in awe of them and, and George gave me that courtesy just to kind of protect me from security and then years later after he won his 500th uh, game as a head coach I wanted to do an interview with him and we just couldn't connect, but we played phone tag like twice each. And the man would call back and made time, even though we missed our first time to maybe connect. I just thought it was really good of him to, to make the time. And, and despite this reputation, I don't know what I did, but the guys never treated me with anything but kid gloves. I don't know where the reputation comes from. We Last year when we had him on this very podcast, go back and listen, Curious George was the title of the episode. Um, we talked to him, asked if we could talk to him before the game. 
a game day, like an hour before their, an hour or two hours before the game. And he gave us, what, 40 minutes, sat down in his office and, you know, shot, shoot the breeze and uh, was nothing but polite. And even when I asked uh, to talk to him in Kitchener, it was ahead of a game, probably, I think it was about uh, an hour and 45 minutes before the game. So approaching the deadline of 90 minutes before. And he came out and I said, you have a couple minutes? He goes, oh yeah, no problem. Sits there, we had a chat. And he's nothing but, or he's never been anything but uh, positive with me and answers every question. I told him, I said, I always appreciate the time. He didn't have a worry in the world about doing the interview. I don't know where the reputation comes from. I love George Burnett. And his answers are like two two minutes long. So (laughs) I, I love it. So you talked about Nico Dawes, what he means to the golf storm this season. Obviously, without question, the biggest reason that the storm is so surprising, and you just heard George Burnett talk about his goaltender as well. Wouldn't you know, Dawes, one of the four goalies named to the Team Canada selection camp for the World Juniors coming up overseas at Christmas time. Hunter Jones, another one. There were some jokes going around tonight, you and I making most of them, as we're coming home on this Thursday evening after the Knights played in Peterborough, lost, wouldn't you know, seven game streak over for London, and they lose to the backup goaltender. I joked, did Dale have a, a thing? Don't don't start my world junior starting goaltender against my Knights team when we come up there. Yeah, Hunter Jones put on a clinic when Kitchener was up there. Ty Austin gets the start for Peterborough. It's interesting that Dawes played his way onto that team, and you got to give that young man a ton of credit because I don't think there's much of an argument with. I'm sure Connor McMichael's in that mix, but I think Nico Dawes has got to be MVP thus far. Like he most valuable, hands down. Like I, I don't think there's an argument to be had. He's been nothing short of fantastic for a rebuilding Guelph Storm team, leading the league in save percentage, leading the league in goals against average on a Guelph Storm team that lost their top six forwards and their top five six, or five or six D. It, it's unbelievable what they're doing in the Royal City, and it starts and ends, in my mind, with all due respect to Cam Hillis and Pavel Gogolev, it starts and finishes with Nico Dawes. And I think it's one of those unique years where Hockey Canada will take three goaltenders to the tournament because it's overseas. You don't want to end up with that emergency goaltender situation. And I can't envision a world where Nico Dawes is not one of those three goalies. We get eight viewings of Nico Dawes through the season because that's how many times the Rangers and Storm meet. We just saw Nico Dawes five days ago in a loss to the Kitchener Rangers, and we made him the first star and took heat for it. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yes, his team lost, but he was the best player on the ice, in our opinion. And the fans, well, at least Twitter, revolted to some degree. I don't understand that. Anybody that watched the game would understand why he was first star. In fact, I remember turning to you at the mid-period break of the second period and said, so Dawes' first star... (laughs) That did happen. (laughs) That's halfway through the game. That's how good he was, and he only got better as the game went on. He was unbelievable. And I said it on the broadcast. It was two games ago when Guelph was in Kitchener. I got a text from a guy that played in this league, was drafted to the National Hockey League in the second round as a goaltender, went on to coach in this league for a long time um, under George Burnett, who sent me a text and said, Man, is Nico Dawes ever good? Yes. Fact, he is very good. So Nico Dawes and Hunter Jones, a couple of the names that 
fans of this podcast will recognize on the World Junior Selection roster because they play in the Ontario Hockey League. Here's a name, Popper, that is not on that selection camp list. And it's it's really interesting because his head coach in the O will be the head coach at the World Juniors this Christmas. But Dale Hunter is not taking Ryan Merkley. My take on that is Merkley was brought into London to be a good soldier and for Dale Hunter to get a very close look at. There's no questioning the all-world talent of Ryan Merkley, but what this says to me is that Dale Hunter has seen enough things from Ryan Merkley to make him realize that he's not going to be the fit for a team that's going to have all of the pressure on it and the eyes of a nation looking for a gold medal at Christmas time. I think it's something very important to remember is that all the players out of the Western Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League have been seen more by eyes of Hockey Canada than the eyes of Dale Hunter. So while Dale obviously knows the Ontario players extremely well, I don't know how much he would know of the Western and the Q players, where Hockey Canada is going to him saying, these D that we want to bring are extremely talented, and, and then they probably grade them and and explain the benefits of their game and what makes them successful to Dale and I think when it comes down to it if Dale wanted Ryan Merkley on that team he probably or invited to camp at least he probably could have got him invited to camp but I, I believe Hockey Canada probably did a good enough job selling the other defenseman invited that it just wasn't worth Dale fighting that hard for Merkley to go because there are some really good um, young and talented defensemen on that hockey club. I don't think it has anything to do with the kind of issues we've seen Ryan Merkley have in the past. He seems to have, at least in the couple viewings we've seen from him, he's cleaned up his defensive style game a lot. And it's it's still not perfect, don't get me wrong, but it's not the free wheel in Ryan Merkley that just didn't care that we saw at times in his tenure in Guelph. Make no mistake about it, Ryan Merkley was a first-round National Hockey League talent Yes, he deserved to be a first-round talent. It's what's between the years, and we've said this numerous times. The talent is there for Ryan Merkley to make this team. I just, quite frankly, think Hockey Canada didn't want to take the risk. I don't know how much of it was Dale. I just think Hockey Canada didn't want to take the risk. I can see that, but I think they would lean on Dale quite heavily because of the Ontario Hockey League players that he sees. Merkley is obviously the one he sees the most, and it's no doubt in my mind that it's the the between-the-ears part that's got Hockey Canada a little bit concerned and listen it's not like they're going to be hurting for talent if you're Dale Hunter this is a question for you if you were Dale Hunter or any coach for that matter ignoring the between the ears part because I feel in a tournament like this you can almost ignore the what's between the ears part because it's a short tournament what are you going to do for me on the ice are you picking Jamie Drysdale or Ryan Merkley uh, it's funny you say that because it's going to segue into what I'm about to talk about. Hands down, I'm taking Jamie Drysdale. Without ev- I'm, I'm not even hesitating in that part. I think it's a pretty close call. I'll say that. Jamie Drysdale ties into this next part of the conversation because about a decade ago, a draft-eligible Taylor Hall made the under-20s, the world junior team. And you have to remember... It is the under-20 tournament. It's a tournament built for 19- and 20-year-olds. And draft-eligible players are less likely to be on that team to play for Canada at what we know as the World Juniors. But Taylor Hall, taken back in 2010, had was actually invited back 
to the evaluation camp for the 2011 tournament, but said, no, I've just been drafted first overall by the Edmonton Oilers. I'm going to focus on my on my pro game and my, my pro career. Tyler Sagan, that same year, did not make the team draft eligible when Taylor Hall did. This year, as, as you pointed out to me earlier, Popper, we've got four guys who are what you'd call underage at this tournament. Alexi Lafreniere, out of the queue. The consensus pick right now as first overall into the National Hockey League in June. The aforementioned Jamie Drysdale, Cole Perfetti, and then Quinton Byfield. And even though this tournament, as I said half a breath ago, is primarily for 19 and 20-year-olds, I'm going to tell you right now, I will be floored. I will be. If both Quinton Byfield and Jamie Drysdale are not on that final roster. Listen, I'll be floored if all four of them aren't, to be frank. There's no, there's no way I think Alexis Lafreniere is not on that lineup. He almost made it last year. Um, Byfield, how do you turn down a six foot four, two hundred plus pound center that can fly? Perfetti, it was, I think it was Sammy Cos that just had an article calling it Einstein-like hockey smarts. And Drysdale will be the first defenseman off the board in the draft this year. He is just phenomenal. His skating, how much room he makes, how quickly he can close gaps, his transition game. And with with it being overseas and the larger ice, skating is such a huge factor. Jamie Jamie Drysdale will just excel over there. And it might be my OHL bias, sure, and I, I openly admit that, but I can't envision a world where all four of those guys aren't on this team, which tells you how strong the draft eligible crop in the Ontario Hockey League is this year. You and I just got off an up-close viewing of Jamie Drysdale as well. A week ago tonight, in fact, when the Rangers were in Erie. And we were both just blown away. The, the, the way the young man skates. We knew that when he came into the league as a rookie last year. But it was just, you could see the, the progression in his game. And it's funny. We walked in the media room. It was Thanksgiving Thursday in the States. And I see one of the scouts that we often see is with Tampa Bay. Uh, sitting in the media room making some notes before the game. We chat for a little bit. And, you know, oh, ha, ha, you got nothing better to do on Thanksgiving. And Stacey says, well, I'm going to see you back in Kitchener tomorrow night, too. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm following you guys around. So I get into the media room on Friday in Kitchener. He's already there. I walk up just for a little chat. I said, so, Drysdale. And he just starts shaking his head. He says, you know, every time I've watched the guy, He's had three points. Every time I've seen him this year, he's had three points, and I've seen him six times. Uh, he says Dave Brown, the GM in Erie, is saying, hey, keep coming to our games because Drysdale gets the, the scout bump there. But he said, I, I put the same notes in my book every time. He's just, like, best player on the ice, Jamie Drysdale. <laughs> he was. It's unbelievable. He logs a ton of minutes. And even in his rookie year last year, he was phenomenal. He stood out like a sore thumb. And it's the skating that everybody talks about when you talk about Jamie Drysdale, it allows him to do so much on the ice and create so much. It gets him out of tight spaces because he can accelerate so quickly. And I, I really like his gap control with it. He, he can close that gap so quickly or extend the gap when he needs to, when he's backpedaling. It's just phenomenal some of the plays he makes just because of his feet work alone. And let it be known, Jamie Drysdale took figure skating lessons as a kid. So if you're, if you're a young kid at home and you want to learn how to skate better, take figure skating lessons. Jeff Skinner did the same thing. Scored 50 in this league and continues to score at a great pace in the National Hockey League. So Drysdale had three assists in 
the Rangers win in Erie uh, a week ago and will be absolutely a key part of the Erie Otters future. And it's, it's the future I wanted to talk just a little bit about before we wrap up this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast because there's just something that's been on my mind. There's been, there's been a guy calling the post-game show in Kitchener the last few weeks. And, and you know what? Smart guy. I like talking to him. He, he makes for some good conversation. And he talked about even as far back as early to mid-November, he'd call up and say, I, I think the Kitchener Rangers should sell. And, and my first reaction was, listen, this team, speaking specifically now about the Rangers, forgive me, but it's the team we cover and we see a lot of. Anyway, I, I answered this guy. Dave was his name. But look, this team, just coming off this rash of injuries, not really sure what this team is just yet with the players that it currently has. Let's just sit back and give it some time. And then he'd call again the next game. He'd say, ah, I think the Kitchener Rangers should sell. And and the more I thought about it, and he, he made one good point, too, one really good point. I mean, all of his points were good. He made, he made a decent argument. He talked about how championship teams tend to have a pretty good crop of 18 and 19 year olds which yeah he's probably right you look at the rangers roster doesn't have that that real solid crop in there of those players that'll help you those that'll become the role players for your championship run but you know the the last time he and i chatted and we we had a pretty good back and forth about it nothing argumentative just presenting different sides of the story it occurred to me I, i first and foremost i think fans overestimate the future they all like you know the next year within two years this projection looks like this and that projection looks like that and then everything's going to be perfect well you know what it rarely lines up that way it's rarely perfect for any team arguably the 05 knights and the 08 rangers were were pretty damn good but even Connor mcdavid for crying out loud never won an ontario hockey league championship and he's the best we've seen in this league and who knows how long? So I think there's a, a bit of an infatuation with the future and, and how things are going to line up. And, and you're waiting for all of the stars to perfectly align. Whereas if you're saying in mid-November a team should start selling off because another team has a better product on the ice today and more assets in the cupboard to make acquisitions, you're basically just saying, well, you're better on paper. We're just going to give you the road to the championship. And that's not the way it should be. Heck, last year, the Niagara Ice Dogs loaded for bear. So did the Ottawa 67s. Last year, the Saginaw Spirit loaded for bear. Well, you know what? So did other teams in the Western Conference. It's just, it's the Guelph Storm had as much in the in the arsenal as the Niagara Ice Dogs did. And only Guelph was standing when it all came down. So I, I, I don't think you should, you should be so quick just to say to a team so early, like not even a third of the way into the season, ah, sell it. It's going to be better next year. It's going to be better two years from now. You don't know that. Nobody's got the crystal ball. I think if you've got a good crop of assets, work around them. And, and I would argue that the, the high-end talent for the Kitchener Rangers right now in Howell and Damiani and, and Morellis and Yancis and Jacob Ingham in goal is some pretty damn fine stuff. I needed to get that off my chest. For every Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf. For every Noah Syndergaard trade, there's a Travis Darno no trade when maybe they should have flipped a guy because he didn't turn out to be what they thought he was going to be. I would always, no matter what sport it is, I would always trade the unknown for the known. And that's why when we talk about, oh, in two years this, in two years that, you don't know what's going to happen in two years. You don't know who you're going to have and what other teams are going to develop a certain way. That's why I feel like when you have a strong core, why not? You, you know what you have. You might as well trade some picks and go for it. There's no this 
mediocrity that many teams sit in and just hover around mediocrity and are scared to go for it. That doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't put banners in the rafters. If you got a good core, build around it and take your shot. Shoot your shot, kids. I think we got eight games left before the midway point of the season and we're halfway there. And then it gets into the fun time and all the speculation and let's see who's right and who's wrong and who's going everywhere and just put on your seatbelt and hold on. One thing we know for sure that this league has kind of shown over the last number of years is that going into the playoffs, round one tends to go to the favorites. But after that, just ask the Niagara Ice Dogs who dropped one to the Oshawa Generals last year how the deeper rounds go. Hey, it's the Ontario Hockey League. It doesn't matter whether it's game one, game 64, game 33, first round, finals, doesn't matter. Anyone can beat anyone any given night, and that's what makes this league so awesome. Kingston Frontenac's on a bit of a roll themselves right now, speaking of anyone beating anyone. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. From the road. Literally. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.